0: The Experts Podcast is powered by Media Stable. Well, hello everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Experts Podcast. My name's Nick Hayes, and this is Carmen Braywood over here. Hi Carms.
1: Good to be back. No, we could be
0: back. You're always... You could be
1: back. You've never left. No, I guess so. (laughs) Just mean, you know, it's been a week and you've still got me back. I mean, let's be honest, in media, that sometimes doesn't always happen.
0: It's quite an achievement, yes. (laughs) No, I think we're about 25 episodes in, so we're doing pretty well, actually, aren't we?
1: Well, hopefully you won't be sick of me
0: soon. No, I'm I'm, I'm more worried about you being sick of me. Um... (laughs) Let's, let's talk finance, let's talk mortgages, let's talk the whole thing. I mean, we've had a little bit of a, a, a sort of a theme going on in the on the program around property.
1: Yeah, because let's face it, we've all got to live somewhere. And there is a fixation in the media with talking about property and related subjects, finance, cost of living, all of these things have come into play during the election and they continue to because of post-COVID, a lot of things are changing. And
0: highly engageable in media. Mm. I mean, it's a topic that everyone wants to talk about because for for some reasons, some of us don't understand or we need more education around it. So that's why we brought in Kerry Berman. Kerry Berman from Berman Finance, Um, welcome to the show.
2: Thank you. Thanks so much for asking me to join you.
0: Hey, uh, well, it's Berman, Berman Finance Solutions.
2: It is because that's what we do, right? Find the solution. <laughs>
0: Find the solution. Mm-hmm. Um, how how are we going? What's the what's the industry looking like? A, a mortgages finance. Are we finding it easier to get? I mean, we've just had some rate, rate in tra- increases, all that good stuff. Is it is it tougher to get finance? Is it tougher to get a mortgage these days?
2: I think it's going to get a little tougher for people. Um, understanding. You know, the way that lenders actually assess a mortgage is based on a not just the rate they're paying, but APRA require lenders to put a buffer of 3% onto that rate and assess borrowers based on whatever that rate is. Right. So, you know, if you're paying 3% today, then you're being assessed at 6%. Yeah, if right. you decide now that you want to apply for a fixed rate loan and the fixed rate loan is currently 4.5%, you're being assessed at 7.5%. So... As we start to see those rate increases trickle through, it is going to reduce people's borrowing capacity. But, you know, we have to look at it realistically. Rates are the lowest they've ever been. I mean, I've been in this industry for 25 years. Yeah. And never, ever did I think I would see a rate that started with a two or at... For a small point in time, we had rates that started with a one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that was just absolutely crazy. Never in my 25 years did I think that would happen. And now we're just getting back to reality, I think. Kerry, my
0: parents were in the 15 to 17% mm. interest rates. And, you know, if you talk to a young person today, Calms, and said, look, you know, my parents paid that amount, what do you think you'd be paying? They, they'd laugh at you.
1: Yeah, They'd be blown away. Things have certainly changed over the years, so that's why I think again it speaks to why the media is so interested in these stories. Because we sit around at barbecues and we talk about this stuff. If yep. I tell my dad what my my interest rates are doing right now, he'll say, "Well, we Lucian house in the '80s, like we did, or the '70s, like we did." You know, that's a totally different experience, and it's a human experience that people can trade stories on. Kerry, you've got a national role with the um, MFAA, which is the Mortgage and Finance Brokers Association of WA's so uh, of Mortgage Australia. And-
2: Mortgage and Finance Association of
1: Australia. Thank That's you, Kerry. That's it. Now, um, in that capacity, what, what's what's the board worried about? You know, we're sitting here obsessed with interest rates. It, it, what's, what's your board uh, focusing on in terms of your industry right now?
2: I think it's just really what that, you Know the future is going to look like for the broker, or what, what is the future broker going to look like? Because it's not just you know, we're always going to go through cycles of rates trending upwards, and then we'll go through another cycle at some point in time where they do the reverse. That's just the nature of things, that's the way it mm. always goes. Um, but I think you know, there's other disruptors. You know, we're obviously um, just hit this wonderful number of mortgage brokers riding 70% of all property loans in the country, which is phenomenal. Um, And I think that's a really good sign for the service that, you know, your broker does bring to you in terms of that giving consumers that choice. Um, But we also have to look at, you know, the technology that's coming in. So there's a lot of online platforms coming into play now, which, you know, in some ways the industry are concerned that that's going to take a little bit away Mm. from the broker business. However, it's still going to be people to people, right? At the end of the day, people still want to connect with somebody mm. and have a conversation and get some advice and you don't get that from a computer.
1: know, yeah, that's yeah.
0: true. I think anything when you've got a computer on there, you just, they, they don't understand the personal circumstances. It's, to them, it's algorithms, it's numbers, it's sort of did de- did de- de- things. It's not the real human aspect side of it. And I, my mortgage broker, hats off to him, I won't mention his name today. He just, He's just I've forgotten his name right now. They're yeah, really but he's close. Awesome. <laughs> he's really awesome. He is good, and I will by the end of the day but before this podcast finishes, but he looks and goes those extra miles to find the different angles and understand what our personal circumstances are. That's what I love about mortgage brokers is that they're almost, a, they're almost part of the family by the time they know you and have met yeah. you and, and understand your circumstances around buying it. Is that still in the industry today?
2: Absolutely. I mean, I have so many connections where they're all interjoined to somebody else or whole families. Um, and I guess because I've been in the industry for 25 years, what one of the really beautiful things is now I'm getting the parents ring me saying, I'm sending my kids to you. to yes. look after them, point them in the right direction? Um, and that's just, you know, wonderful for me because it's a sign of that you know, they trust me to look after their kids in terms of making sure they stay on track with their finance.
1: In recent times, the industry, which some people might even say, you know, now it's more of a profession being a mortgage or finance broker, was under a bit of fire, a bit of scrutiny from uh, at a federal government level. Can you talk us through that and how, how you guys responded as an industry?
2: Yeah, sure. So um, basically the Royal Commission came out and it was all meant to be about banks and somehow brokers got thrown under the bus even though mm. they weren't actually under scrutiny directly at the time. Mm. Um, and that was a couple of the big banks that did that. So thank you very much to them. Um, because <laughs> well, in actual you're, you're fact, you're what in competition
0: happened was, with them, weren't
2: you? Well, I guess yes. However, um, I think what we need to focus on now and certainly they need to focus on is if we're riding 70% of all home loans, I think they just need to be a little bit careful about how they look after us. Yeah. yeah well, <laughs> Fair
1: enough.
0: Well, it has shifted. The dynamic has shifted. And I think possibly because the banks, um, oh, I'm not going to say can't be trusted with that, but it's like they're selling a product. You guys are actually a good mortgage broker is going to find the right product to fit your circumstances, not necessarily be guided. But the regulations, the, the fact that they did look into your industry, has it – has it cleaned it up or cleared it up to maybe some of the deadwood that was there or made it a little bit tougher to be a finance broker or Look, mortgage broker?
2: I think our industry is constantly evolving and constantly improving and that's certainly something, you know, in my role as MFAA director, um, you know, we're always focusing on how do we improve things, how do we make it better, how do we become a profession rather mm. than just an industry. Um and I certainly think, you know, there were some positives that came out of that. One of the regulations that's now in place which affects brokers but isn't, um, the banks aren't regulated by is best interest duty, which is mind blowing when you think about it because for me, I have always held my client's best interest as a priority. Yeah, right. Now we're regulated that we have to. So if we get audited and seen that we haven't absolutely done that and can't demonstrate that we've done that, We will be held accountable going direct to your bank. They don't actually – the best interest duty doesn't apply to them, which is really bizarre, but I think it's around the fact that, you know, they can only offer one product, one suite of products, whereas because we can offer so many different products and different lender – um, solutions, they're sort of, I guess, wanting to look a bit more deeply into how we're making those recommendations. And have we truly got our clients' best interest at heart when we're making those
1: solutions? And so this being a podcast about the media, you know, you as an industry and as a profession were able to use the media to your benefit during some of the tougher times and years gone by to communicate some of the messages you're sharing with us now. Is that that Absolutely. one of the key ways that it got through? Yeah, look, one of the big things that the MFAA did
2: and jumped on immediately, which was amazing, our, our CEO, Mike Felton, um, is you know, a fantastic media presenter um, and he got a campaign going called Don't Kill Competition So when the Royal Commission came about and and there was a lot of talk about, well, you know, are brokers going to survive this now that they've been thrown under the bus when it was really the banks that were under the scrutiny, it was, you know, how do we get the message out there that this is actually in consumers' best interest that we're still here because we are the people that give them choice. So they did a massive media campaign, Don't Kill the Competition. Mm -hmm. It had incredible response. And I think that's partly, you know, in a way, I kind of thank the Royal Commission because I think Mm. it educated people a lot more as to exactly who we are, what we offer. And we've just continued to climb in terms Mm. of our increase of, um, you know, percentage of mortgages written in the country.
1: Yeah, well, really what it was, sorry, Nick, was the perfect example of news jacking, right? So something's happening in the news. You might have been dragged into it as well, of course. But something's happening in the news. You guys were the relevant people to speak about it. You were the people that were the obvious choice for the media to call up and say, hey, what do you reckon? And by not saying, nah, piss off, we're not going to talk about this, by actually saying, yes, thank you for the opportunity, here's our point of view, you were able to get the public on your side. And a lot of people have done that to great effect in recent times too. You can look at the, um, the pandemic and how travel agents fared. You know, when their industry association got on the front foot and said, hey – Don't forget your travel agents have been looking after people throughout many, many other pandemics and other crises around the world. So when you get good industry representation in the media, you can do a great job of that news sees. And the reason I want to talk about it more is that as individuals, we can do that too. If you're on your own trying to promote your brand, you can actually go, hey, what's happening out there that I can start to talk about? And don't be afraid to put an opinion out there.
2: Yeah, and it's demonstrating your point of difference too, I think, isn't it?
0: Yeah, Yeah. and I think from chaos, and if there is a good, smart solution or you know a, a voice of, uh, of of surety that's out there that gives you that opportunity do, to speak about it and I think and you, you know you raise a good point 70% of uh, loans if they're being done by mortgage brokers and not by the banks your business hasn't dropped it's increased and raising awareness around a good broker is important. Um, so money, money does get a bit of a run in media. Of course mm-hmm. it does. It's it's our number one thing. But uh, uh, interest rates, when they go up, does this put pressure on you guys to... to, to, to to deliver something different to your your clients or are you sort of just riding the bumps with it is it something there that you go look we're just educating you and we we're we're, we're a subject to what is going on around us anyway is it do you feel the pressure on that as when you're when you're talking to your clients
2: look we we definitely are just sort of rolling with what comes at us but i think that's you know in any industry when things are constantly changing and moving you've just got to be able to go with the flow um, we're having lots of conversations with our clients at the moment around whether to fix or not to fix and that's a very individual conversation. So lots of time spent on the phone over Mm. the last month or so with, um, you know, I guess just being that voice of reason and calm too because what we have to think about is, for example, you know, you've got an interest rate where you're on a variable and it might be 2.5% and I was talking to a client about this yesterday afternoon and, um, you know, looking at fixed rates, most of your two- and three-year fixed rates are already between four-and-a-half and five-and-a-half percent. Wow. So, you know, do you want to lock yourself into that now and be paying two to three percent more today? Yeah. Or do you want to kind of just provision for what's coming Make sure that you've got good cash flow and you're budgeting for when that's going to come, but not necessarily pay it right now. But it's going to be different for everybody because for some people, I always say apply the sleep test, okay? If, you, if you're that worried that every time the Reserve Bank meets and they put rates up, what that's actually going to mean for you, mm. then maybe fixing in to give you some budget certainty at the moment is not a bad idea because at least you can sleep at night. Yeah.
1: You know, as part of that cost of living debate and that issue that was covered by the media, over the period of the election we had a lot of politicians jumping on yep. you know, the cash rate. It was politicised quite heavily, gotcha. wasn't it? Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. What yeah the gotcha moment with Anthony Albanese, now our Prime Minister. I mean, do you care if the Prime Minister's not entirely certain which is the cash rate today?
2: Uh, yeah, I actually am. I think I think when it comes to the cash rate, that that absolutely should be something that someone in in power knows and understands. I just thought it was really funny when we had one other particular party who was talking (laughs) about... I can keep rates under 3%. Vote for me. <laughs> and I'm just, honestly, my daughter was going nuts because I seriously wanted to throw something at the TV every time I saw or heard that ad yes. come on. Um, and she was the one who actually said to me, mum, do a video about it because, mm. you know, you you're it's driving you nuts. So just get it out there and tell people. Because people, general consumers don't understand that, in fact, that is not, even possible, the Reserve Bank is separate Correct. to the government for a reason. No government in power of the day can determine what that's going to do and, with interest rates. And
0: advertising standards have to be held to account here because that was a, a complete a lie. lie. It was a complete was and a utter lie. lie. Absolutely. So, yeah, and, absolute and if, if, we, if if you're out there, you don't know what we're talking about. There, that was from uh, Clive Palmer's party was mm-hmm. discussing the idea. I can hold the interest rate, so he's playing on that. That that, that hard felt fear of, you know, your prices, everything going up. In fact, he was also talking about around superannuation, bringing back billions of dollars back into the Australian economy. It was just complete and utter lies i don't know how they get away with that just quite preying
2: on vulnerable people you know people that don't understand Mm. and and believe what they're being told and and you know the reality is there's lots of people out there that fit that category because they're relying on people that are a perceived expert or someone that they trust to deliver them the truth
0: yeah now now as a director of MFAA, mm-hmm. do you fear? I mean, is there a responsibility you just can't come out and say what Kerry Berman thinks these days? It's because you do hold the responsibility as being a director. Are you representative of the MFAA? Does that hold you back at all? Do you fear or feel that you've you've got a you've you've got a which hat are you wearing? But knowing full well that you're wearing both hats.
2: Yes, um, generally, I guess board members aren't. Um, we're not normally in the media representing the mfaa so when generally when i'm out talking to people it is representative of me and my business um you know our it's you know i guess the board's not operational in that sense so we're there to support our operations team do their job and and our ceo mike felton has done an exceptional job in the media at um, representing our brand and um and the brokers that are members of that association
0: because camps is a big thing here for those that are part of boards, they're mm. part of... Uh, leadership teams, yeah, executive or outside teams, outside yeah. of their normal work is that they can be held back or you know, sort of restricted in what they can say and what they can do. Because you know, look, you remember, you've you seen on social media, on Twitter handles, where it says, you know, these are the my views, not the views of yeah. my employer. Uh-huh. That's rubbish, okay. <laughs> that is utter, utter rubbish. It's true, because your, your employer views will,
1: yeah.
0: are your employer's views as well. Because it doesn't matter, you reflect your employer, so you know, there are restrictions on people, and I think that I'm glad to hear that. That from you Kerry because mm. um, you've got to feel confident to be able to present because you're a business yourself you know that's part of what you do but you've got to be you've got to be out there you've got to actually have the the, the, the confidence to to work with media and and have your own point of view.
1: Yeah, but I would say the the easy fix, if you want a fix for feeling like you're being held back by a role, is to make sure that your values do genuinely align of with course. the organisation you're being associated with. So, yeah, you know, you, you have a lot of opinions and thoughts that are genuinely in alignment with your role at, at a director level there with the MFAA. And, you know, you talked before about the public needing education being vulnerable to certain people out there who will say something misleading to get a certain outcome you've gone and created a lot of content yourself to help educate people can you talk us talk to us about that also, are we talking about Perth Property Hub. Yeah, of course we're talking yeah. about Perth Property Hub. Sorry,
0: I couldn't make it to your opening. I really wanted to oh, go. No, that was happened? disappointing. I, we missed you. No, I, I had, I had parenting duties that night, but uh, it important. looked very good on the socials.
2: It was great. It was a great evening. Um, it's been a lot of work in progress over the last twelve months. Very much thanks to Carmen for giving me the confidence to get out on camera and, um, you know, use I guess the skills that I've got in terms of trying to educate people, um, but. But really, the idea of Perth Property Hub was pretty simple, right? 25 years in the industry of getting asked very similar questions by almost everyone. So, that's from as something as simple as, well, I'm about to make an offer on the property for the first time. I've never done this before. What do I actually do? Mm. How, how do I make the offer? What do I need to be looking for? Um, You know, when I'm putting on the offer that I want a building inspection report or a pest inspection report, what does that mean? Why do I need it? Why is it
1: important? Yeah. You know, so many things that people just ask me all the time. Yeah, like, can I revoke that offer? Once I've heard that the building inspection's no good. Exactly. All kinds of questions, I suppose. Yeah.
0: We got that from the last podcast. Yeah, we well, did. look at you learning. A lot of insights that
1: I'm gathering. <laughs> the, the benefit of this kind of content is epic, isn't it? Yeah. Now, Kerry, um, talk us through – yeah, you, so you you've decided that we need some content to help people who have all of these different questions. How did you go about putting it together? So, for me,
2: it was also – you know, it's not that this information's not out there, right? So, you can Google, you know, how to – Sign an offer on a property, and you'll get a he- whole heap of articles that will come up. Yep. But you know, for me, I just find sitting in front of a computer, reading the written word, trying to search for that one little nugget of gold that you want or need to answer that question. A is the source reliable and can it be trusted? B, you know, I think people love to listen or watch. And, mm. and take that in. You know, we mm. all learn differently. So some people prefer to, to read the written word and they learn from that. And some people prefer to watch and listen something because it just absorbs into their mind a bit differently. And I also think it's then, you know, giving the people that have been participating in the project the opportunity for consumers to then reach out to them to get some one-on-one
1: advice around their individual situation and get that, you know, that expertise. Yeah, and speaking of the professionals, we have in fact had Ashley Goodchild on the podcast here. So if you've heard that one, you will also find Ashley on one of your episodes for she Perth is. Property Hub. Yeah, absolutely. So um, Ashley Goodchild's
2: the property profiler here in Perth. CSI.
0: CSI property. She is. I, of,
1: she is that's actually dun, more in order, isn't it? Yeah, that's I right. got that wrong too. Yeah, that's I, that's right. what I said last week, but oh, I was wrong. Funny. <laughs> so yeah, right. So, you know, you can actually team up with other people who are great doing great things in the education space and associate yourselves together in the interests of really, at the end of the day, the person you want to help. It's basically a collaboration of, you know, Perth
2: property experts in all areas. So you've got real estate agents, settlement agents, building inspectors, um, land surveyor. You know, so many people have come to me over the years, oh, I've seen this property, it's advertised that it's zoned R40. What does that mean and what can we do with it? Um, And real estate agents will advertise something as being subdividable doesn't mean that it will be. So, you need to do that due diligence beforehand. So, Jay Sidhu from Vision Surveys Consulting talks around, you know, what due diligence you should be doing before you actually jump in and buy that property because just because they've advertised – they're just advertising the zoning, right – they actually don't know what the requirements are from the shire as to whether that property actually can be subdivided. It's just zoned for subdivision. They're two, div- two very different things.
1: Because it's kind of the whole buyer beware thing, isn't it? Like, yeah. you know, you, you might talk to the real estate agent thinking they're in your corner, but they're not necessarily, are they? No, they're working for the seller, let's face it. That's their role. Is to
2: um, you know get the best price they can for the seller and market it in a way that's going to attract the right buyer.
0: Oh, you guys are <laughs> segueing beautifully into my next uh, big question. There, do we trust <laughs> a male finance broker, mortgage broker, <laughs> over a female one, or do, vice versa?
2: Oh, look, I, I think it just depends on what resonates with you. You know, there I've got some fantastic colleagues out there who are male brokers um, doing really wonderful things for their clients. I think probably the biggest difference for me is that. You know, we just we behave a bit differently because men and women are different, aren't? Yeah. we? is that right? No, you're smart, no we're all the you. same. You know, um, <laughs> I think women listen a bit differently, and I think a lot of women prefer to deal with women, sure, because they feel like we get them yep. and can understand. And the questions we ask might be a d- bit different because I guess when we're asking questions, it's often. Coming from where we sit and what we feel is important to us, and wondering if that's important to the person we're talking to. So, um, I think it just really comes down to personal oh, choice. It's good no, that we're both in no. there, I reckon. Let yeah. me
1: be a bullet again at this. There, there is the conundrum that as a wife, you will be ignored in these meetings by the finance professional you really? choose to engage. Yes. If he happens to be a man, he will accidentally, probably just well, through I, some subconscious bias, happened. will just talk to your husband and ignore you. So,
0: Dave Caffarelli was my mortgage broker. Yep. Yeah.
1: Oh, well He's done. A you got, got
0: there. He Yeah, so Dave <laughs> yep. listened to my wife more so than he listened to me. Did you just could, check
1: with your wife? He's a smart yeah. man.
2: Is that how she he, feels? So I know his wife, so <laughs> I know why. <laughs> do you? Yeah. And apologies,
0: <laughs> an apologies to Dave because I didn't quite remember your name at the beginning. It was just coming to mind. How could I forget you, Dave? Hmm. But he did a very good job, in he and he was referred by my wife's best friend. Oh,
1: that's good, too. So Brilliant. So there's
0: a reference point check and everything like that. Definitely so, not
1: saying all men can do it, but there's definitely been a lot of feedback come back to me from friends and, yeah, contemporaries who've sure. just said, you know, this bloke, just, I may as well not have even been in the room. Yeah. And that is frustrating because we have never had more well-educated women in marriages before. And, and often you know what it's I mean? the, the women been- in the household
2: that are actually looking after the household finances yeah. so. You know, it's it's one of those roles, I guess, historically was kind of with the men, you know, 30, 40, 50 years ago, but mm. I'd like to think we've evolved a little since then. I don't think I had any
0: say women. in the purchase of our last two houses, just quietly. I yeah. How can
1: I get Lampy to do the same thing? <laughs> yeah. He has too much say in our housing <laughs>
0: environment. I'll
1: stick up for that one. I will.
0: So, uh, mm. just my experience with Dave, very good and... You know, I thoroughly enjoyed it, but the industry itself did have a few reputation issues. I Absolutely. Mean, you know, there were and there's bad apples and bad seeds in just about every industry, for sure. But um, I, th- I think with the the royal commission, and while it wasn't pointed at you guys, you guys did you did act. You would got up and you've got on the front foot, and you really did educate people as to what you really do. But then also to put a lot of pressure on yourselves as an industry to go, we just need to be better.
2: It did, but I love that. You know, I, that for me, that's one of the shining lights that came out of it. Because you're right, every industry has, you know, people that you'd probably prefer weren't in it, and that's, you know, that's everything, isn't it? Mm, so, yeah. um, I think what it did was really put the microscope on our industry and really made people step up. Yeah. So there was a huge shift in compliance, a lot more regulation that came out off the back of. Um, the Royal Commission, Mm. which I actually think has been extremely positive for for me and my business and also for a great outcome for consumers because I think – and I think that's reflected in the numbers, right? Because if 70% of people are now seeing a mortgage broker for their finance, there's a a better level of trust involved in, you know, they're not – and they understand what we do because even as much as even just five years ago, people would get referred to me and say, well – but why do I need you? What what do you do? My friends yeah. told me to ring you, but I don't. I'm not quite sure how this works, <laughs> um, you know. So it was us having to educate them around what we do, and I think that's why I say for me the Royal Commission was actually a great thing mm. because it highlighted our industry, the value that we can add to people. And, I mean, you're talking sometimes, you know, people people contact you and they're just talking about buying a property or it might be a refinance or a restructure. And when you sit down, I met with clients on Saturday and I'm going to save them $1,200 a month. What? Now, this is a family, two Not adults, yourself. two kids. Awesome. Um, And when I looked at everything they were paying and we sat down and run the numbers and I looked at what I could do for them mm. and, you know, cash flow is a bit tight for them and they're nervous that cash flow is already tight so what's going to happen when interest rates start to rise now great for them they are on the front foot and mm. having that conversation early and when I actually sat there and said you know what I, I've just worked out a way I can save you guys $1,200 a month she just about fell off a chair yeah. and thought oh my god like how quickly can we make this happen so it's, you know, it's those conversations which are, are really why I love what I do and
1: that's the rewarding part And then you can flip the coin and say a family that maybe is sitting there thinking we can't afford to live the lifestyle we want. You know, we're sitting there and we'd love to be in a better area, close to a better school or close to the school, you know, and we're just not quite living where we want to be or how we want to be living, can't afford it. Imagine what you could achieve if you could find that extra bit of money. It's so worth sitting down with someone who's actually in your corner as opposed to the person selling the product, which is the bank, let's say exactly. it. Exactly. I mean, that's the thing, you know. So, for
2: me, I've got probably around 30 different lenders that I can use. You, you're always going to gravitate to maybe 10 or 12 of those that you use regularly because you know they offer a really good product, mm. um, really good level of service. Um, and we're there constantly, you know, reviewing our clients year on year as well. So, you know, banks aren't particularly proactive about reaching out to their clients to say, hey, can I make that rate a little bit cheaper for you? Mm. Whereas, you know, we're in a position (laughs) where we keep them honest, you know, if we're reviewing our clients every one or two years. That's why
0: they love you so much, Kerry. I know. You're keeping them honest. There you go. (laughs) There you go. Um, One one thing – I love about uh, mortgage brokers is that they, their ability to, and I mentioned it earlier in the podcast, is become part of the family, like literally understand, you know, your pain points, what uh, you, your goals are, what you want to achieve sort of thing. And um, does that come naturally to, to, to people that go into the, your industry to, to be so personable, to, to be able to, to connect on another level? Because I guess that's the definition between a good broker and a, and a poor one.
2: I guess so. I you know, whether that's across the board for everyone, I don't know. Um, I know lots of fantastic brokers that are, are in my sort of networks who are, are very much like me, very, very customer centric. Absolutely. I mean the thing I love about my job is the fact that I get to help people. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm not I'm a numbers person but I'm not just a numbers person. Um, you know, there's obviously gonna be some brokers out there who maybe you know, act and behave a little bit differently, and they're mm-hmm. more numbers focused. Yeah. Um, but for me and my business, has always absolutely been about the relationship.
0: I love how you said numbers because when you think of numbers, you think of accountants, and they're the first ones to say they're the most boring people going around. <laughs> they they've got real PR issues themselves oh, yeah. because mm. they actually say <laughs> about am, themselves, "I'm boring." Yeah. I don't tell an anyone accountant. I'm an accountant, but <laughs> you're, you, you are relationships. It is a connection. It is that sort of you know. Well, I guess at the end of the day, um, it's a different the difference between being good. At what you're doing and and being successful. Like, you know, you've got to really put yourself into it because there's a lot of you. I can hear it in your voice, Kerry. She That cares. you put everything into it.
2: And it's so rewarding too, you know, when you have that. Um, recently, probably only a year or so ago, I had um, a young lady that was referred to me and then within – this 12-month period, I've now looked after two of her sisters. So she's a twin. So she came to me first, then the next twin, <laughs> then the older sister, then the mum. Yeah. So I only have one more sister to tie <laughs> down. And then I've done the whole family. And I've got lots of client connections like that where it's the whole family. And it's, it's really lovely.
0: Have you set some time goals to get the other sister? <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. I mean, communication with a couple of the others <laughs> trying to wrangle her down Let's right now. Let's get her in the market. <laughs> time to grow.
0: Oh, I love it. Kerry, we've run out of time. That's a, It's a great chat around it. And I think that, you know, with... Things that are changing, and it has been a little bit volatile. But then, you know, you think about the rest of the things that are going on in the world. This is hardly volatile at all. Mm. Uh, times have never been better to be buying property, as far as you know, interest rates, etc. And finding a good broker, I, I can't. You know, I'll, I'll say, Dave, my next house, you'll be, you'll be back <laughs> on it again. But Absolutely. It. But you know what? You stick with the one that you've had. He's yeah. done two of my properties, and yeah.
2: they get. And that's the thing, right? You've got a relationship. They get to know you, understand you. I think at the moment, with everything that's going on, people just. know Need to be calm. Yeah, just reach out, get some advice from someone that they trust about what the right thing is to do for them, and just breathe. Like we've been through these cycles before. um, You know, when it's not all going to fall into a massive, um, you know, sense of chaos. It's just understanding what you need to do for yourself.
0: Kerry, I'm looking forward to seeing more of you in the media. I think that we need that real solid (laughs) voice that uh, reassurance, reassurance, but also to that authority that you have. 25 Mm. years in the industry. That's the kind of stuff we need to hear more of. Oh, another good one. Hey, Kerry, if people want to get in contact with you. Sorry, I went off script there. Uh, If people want to get in contact with you, how do they do it?
2: Oh, well, I think I'm pretty much everywhere. LinkedIn, uh, Facebook. uh, They can go to the Perth Property Hub website. So just www.perthpropertyhub.com.au. Love it. And we're all on there. Ashley, me, Michelle Maynard. Wow, look yeah, at
0: great. that. Oh, All the good ones. Hey, uh, another good one there, Carms.
1: Yeah, loved it. Thank you, Kerry. And yeah, looking forward to another week.
0: Excellent. You. And we look forward to having your company when we have another expert or another media. See you next week. You've been listening to the Experts Podcast, powered by Media Stable. If you'd like to get in contact with the team, head to mediastable.com.au.